Hello, my darling, and welcome to today's story time. Before we get started, I wanted to give a special shout out to two of our subscribers, Elden Lich Amunadol and Tortoisebear. I know that I have been very absent for a little while here after the car accident, and I didn't think that I was a depressive personality at all, but it can happen to anyone and you can very quickly just feel bad about yourself and what you're doing. But it's because of you guys and all of my subscribers that this channel exists and it's a platform for us in the hard times, right? Advocate for each other through our chronic pain, our depression, insomnia. So, thank you. Today we're just going to read a short Lovecraft story just to get me back into the swing of things. And we will have more regular shows very soon. And now, on with our story time. The Book by H.P. Lovecraft My memories are very confused. There is even much doubt as to where they began. For at times I fill appalling vistas of years stretching behind me, while at other times it seems as if the present moment were an isolated point in a gray, formless infinity. I am not even certain how I am communicating this message. While I know I am speaking, I have a vague impression that some strange and perhaps terrible meditation will be needed to bear what I say to the points where I wish it to be heard. My identity, too, is bewilderingly cloudy. I seem to have suffered a great shock, perhaps from some utterly monstrous outgrowth of my cycles, of unique, incredible experience. These cycles of experience, of course, all stem from that worm-riddled book. I remember when I found it, in a dimly lighted place near the black, oily river where the mists always swirl. That place was very old, and the ceiling-high shelves full of rotting volumes reached back endlessly through the windowless inner rooms and alcoves. There were, besides, great formless heaps of books on the floor and in crude bins, and it was in one of these heaps that I found the thing. I never learned its title, for the early pages were missing, but it fell open toward the end and gave me a glimpse of something which sent my senses reeling. There was a formula, a sort of list of things to say and do, which I recognized as something black and forbidden. Something which I had read of before, in furtive paragraphs of mixed abhorrence and fascination, penned by those strange, ancient delvers into the universe's guarded secrets whose decaying texts I love to absorb. It was a key, a guide, 
certain gateways and transitions of which mystics have dreamed and whispered, since the race was young, and which lead to freedoms and discoveries beyond the three dimensions and realms of life and matter that we know. Not for centuries had any man recalled its vital substance, or known where to find it. But this book was very old indeed. No printing press, but the hand of some half-crazed monk had traced these ominous Latin phrases, annuncials of awesome antiquity. I remember how the old man leered and tittered, and made a curious sign with his hand when I bore it away. He had refused to pay for it, and only long afterward did I guess why. As I hurried home through those narrow, winding, mist-choked waterfront streets, I had a frightful impression of being stealthily followed by softly padding feet. The sentried, tottering houses on both sides seemed alive with a fresh and morbid malignity, as if some hitherto closed channel of evil understanding had abruptly been opened. I felt that those walls and overhanging gables of mildewed brick and fungus plaster and timber, with fishy eye-like, diamond-paneled windows that leered, could hardly desist from advancing and crushing me. Yet I had read only the least fragment of that blasphemous rune before closing the book and bringing it away. I remember how I read the book at last, white-faced, locked in the attic room that I had long devoted to strange searchings. The great house was very still, for I had not gone up till after midnight. I think I had a family then, though the details are very uncertain. And I know there were many servants. Just what year it was, I cannot say. For since then I have known many ages and dimensions, and have had all my notions of time dissolved and refashioned. It was by the light of the candles that I read. I recall the relentless dripping of the wax, and there were chimes that came every now and then from distant belfries. I seemed to keep track of those chimes with a peculiar intentness, as if I feared to hear some very remote, intruding note among them. Then came the first scratching and fumbling at the dormer window, looking out high above the other roofs of the city. It came as I droned aloud the ninth verse of that primal lay, and I knew amidst my shudders what it meant. For he who passes the gateways always wins a shadow, and never again can he be alone. I had evoked, and the book was indeed all I had suspected. That night I passed the gateway to a vortex of twisted time and vision, and when morning found me in the attic, I saw the walls and shelves and fittings, that which I had never seen before. Nor could I ever after see the world as I had known it. Mixed with the present scene was always a little of the past, 
and a little of the future. And every once familiar object loomed alien in the new perspective brought by my widened sight. From then on, I walked in a fantastic dream of unknown and half-known shapes. And with each new gateway crossed, the less plainly could I recognize things, the narrow sphere to which I had so long been bound. What I saw about me none else saw, and I grew doubly silent and aloof, lest I be thought mad. Dogs had a fear of me, for they felt the outside shadow which never left my side. But still I read more, in hidden, forgotten books and scrolls, to which my new vision led me and pushed through fresh gateways of space and being and life patterns toward the core of the unknown cosmos. I remember the night I made the five concentric circles of fire on the floor and stood in the innermost one chanting the monstrous litany of the messenger from Tartary had brought. The walls melted away and I was swept by a black wind through gulfs of fathomless gray, with the needle-like pinnacles of unknown mountains miles below me. After a while, there was utter blackness, and then the light of myriad stars forming strange, alien constellations. Finally, I saw a green litten plain far below me, and discerned on it the twisted towers of a city built in no fashion I had ever known, or read of, or dreamed of. As I floated closer to that city, I saw a great, square building of stone in an open space, and felt a hideous fear clutching at me. I screamed, struggled, and after a blankness was again in my attic room, sprawled flat over the five phosphorescent circles on the floor. In that night's wandering, there was no more of strangeness than in many a former night's wandering. But there was more of terror, because I knew I was closer to those outside gulfs and worlds than I had ever been before. Thereafter, I was more cautious in my incantations for I had no wish to be cut off from my body and from the earth in unknown abysses, whence I could never return. And this, my darling, ends our story time for today. As always, I hope that you have very sweet and creepy dreams. Good night. Listening to The Beast in the cave uh, from a first time here on um, well I've heard the podcast before but I did not know that uh, it was here on Anchor thank you for all that you do <laughs>